ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have a beauty. We are talking with Ed Chan, or otherwise known as Edward Chan, the co-founder of Chan and Naylor Accountants and Wise Mentoring for Accountants. And we're talking all about the topic of growing your business through mergers and acquisitions. And today, Ed gives us an amazing insight in this next two-part series uh, because Ed and I just could not stop talking about this topic. (laughs) There's some gold in here, particularly if you are running an accounting practice, but also if you're running any sort of business and you're looking at growing your business through mergers or acquisitions. And so, In this discussion with Ed, we talk really about the strategy, the journey, the roadblocks, and his suggested tips. And we talk about a lot of examples along the way. Now, this is a two-part series, as I said. So in the first part of this two-part series, we have a quick overview at the three main ways that you can grow an accounting practice or any business. And so we look at organic growth, product monetization, and acquisitions. And we then look at the four risk areas of merging or acquiring businesses. And in part two, we then take a deeper look at some of the other risk areas in growing your business through mergers and acquisitions. And we also take a much more deeper look at this comparison between growth through organic means, product monetization, and then this area of acquisitions. And we talk about why acquisition as a growth strategy can work so well um, and, you know, how it can be properly utilized in a business. And this is such a great discussion with Ed because he um, really is talking from a massive wealth of experience. Uh, as you'll hear in the episode, uh, if you listen in, he has undertaken probably 20 or 30 acquisitions, either himself through Chan and Naylor or um, assisting his uh, clients through wise mentoring and his coaching clients in acquiring other practices. So he really knows what he's talking about when he talks about the opportunities that are there for using acquisition as a growth strategy, but also what some of the risks are and how you can really sensibly deal with those risks. So this is a really interesting episode. Uh, I think, you know, certainly if you're an accounting practice, but also if you're running any business at all and you're looking at ways to grow your business potentially through acquisitions, this gives you a number of tips and tricks and things to look out for. And also, I think this is quite relevant for anyone who is an advisor in this space. So, um, for example, brokers and corporate advisors. It's really interesting to hear examples of how clients 
on the ground going through mergers and acquisitions are actually using or the strategies that they're actually using to deal with some of the risks that come out of acquisitions. So I hope you enjoy this two-part series. Buckle in because we're serving you up part one right now. Here we go chatting with Ed. Ed, can I just say a massive thank you for coming back onto the podcast? It's great to have you. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) Okay. So now we're talking about in this episode, growing your business through mergers and acquisitions. So we're going to talk a little bit about the strategy, the journey, the roadblocks and some tips. So I guess obviously um, here on the Deal Room podcast, this is what we talk about day in, day out. But I think it's always great to be able to have people on the show that have been there at the cold face actually sitting amongst a practice as uh, or a business as it's gone through acquisitions and mergers to give you you know a real warts and all perspective so you know maybe ed let's just start off with just a bit of your background of your forays into this area of mergers and acquisitions sure um as as everybody probably knows i'm i'm co-founder of uh, chan and ailer we've got 11 offices around Australia, and from that we've developed the WISE mentoring uh, mentoring for accounting firms. But coming back to uh, Chan and Ayla, there's three ways to grow your, your business. And the first one is through, you know, word of mouth, organic um, growth, and digital marketing. That's one way. The other way is to do what I call product monetization, which is um, look at your clients and there's a lot more services that they require from you. And because most accountancy firms are not monetizing their database well enough, and, you know, and that's a second way that you can do it. And then a third way is through acquisitions. Mm. And acquisitions are a little bit trickier because you've got a, a level of debt that comes with when you buy something, when you, you've got to go and borrow money and, and to buy it. And, you know, when you include debt into something, then you you increase your risk a little. And so you have to be careful because often when you go and buy a practice, you you think you're buying something and then you end up with quite a lot less. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, mainly for a lot of reasons. The first one is, and and I always say, um, Joanna, when you go buy a practice, there's four risk areas. The first one is the vendor, the owner of the business selling and, and leaving. In what way? What way do you see that as the risk? The vendor leaving. Vendor's got a very close relationship with the clients, and mm-hmm. they've been dealing with you know him or her all these years. And if, if all of a sudden they're no longer there, then they'll leave. Mm. And and some of them will leave, and they're just waiting for the person to do something. Like, like clients don't like change, so yeah. if you change anything. You know they don't like to change and that gives them gives, gives them an excuse or a reason to move on mm. so the, the the biggest risk is the vendor leaving so, and and because the vendor is selling he's the one that's sort of creating a change to the client's relationship and so that's the biggest risk the second one is a moving office so often when someone buys you they want you to move to their office and if you move office, then you create a change to the clients. And mm. they, again, you know, clients don't like change. Mm. And the third thing is uh, the staff leaving. So if there's some long-term staff there and they've created some long-term relationships with those clients, if they leave, often, you know, they leave for different reasons, but, 
you know, if they left to start their own practice, a lot of the clients will leave and go with them. And, uh, and the last one is the changing of the name, mm. the brand, which is, you know, it's not that significant, but, but it is still there. So the idea of an acquisition, a, a, you know, a smooth acquisition is to try and minimise all those all those risk areas. And the one, the, the first one is the, the biggest risk, which is the vendor leaving. So how do we do that? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked the question, Ed, because <laughs> I was <laughs> going to ask it next because, I mean, yeah. the, the reality is that we see um, that in many instances uh, when someone is looking to sell a practice or, or business or like an accounting practice, they're doing it because they want out. Mm. And, you know, either they're ready to retire or they're just sick of the business you know they've lost lost that passion for it so 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 how is it that you deal with that element then because that seems like a fairly common issue well you know often that the practitioner is the product and the brand it's uh the brand and the product is the person as opposed to a shop that sells products and, and it's often the relationships not with the product but with the with the shop itself and the location but with an accountancy practice both the brand and the product is the practitioner the, the vendor so it, it is at a heightened uh, level of risk because of that relationship so mm. the best way to do it for for everybody because it's got to be a win-win for everybody it's got to be a win for the clients it's got to be a win for the vendor it's got to be a win for the buyer and it's sort of also got to be a win for the staff and the best win-win-win is to start that process early. And the longer that you transition, the better it is. And, and I've seen some buyers go in there and they, you know, move the vendor out <laughs> after a few weeks. Yeah. Big mistake. They're not seeing it from the client's point of view or they're seeing it from their own point of view. Mm. You know, they may not like the vendor they're getting in the way or they're doing things that they don't like doing mm. and you can't see it from your own point of view. You've got to see it from the client's point of view mm. because at the end of the day, if you borrow a dollar to buy a dollar in, in fees, it's okay to borrow that money because you've got an asset on the other side. But if you lose that asset, you're left with a debt with no asset. That's the worst situation to be in. Mm. So it is at a heightened risk so you want to make sure that the clients come over just on that point you, you know because I, I've seen it play out a few times in business sales with vendors staying on for a period of time there being this real tension between the buyer the buyer and the seller effectively because they both have different ways about how they think the business should be run I think sellers quite often are going through an emotional process themselves like their business baby that they've built over all of these years you know and now someone else is stepping in and they want to do it a different way oh my goodness <laughs> but how do you you know if you are a, an acquirer you're a buyer you've decided to do this as part of the growth of your own business or accounting practice and you you recognize that it's a risk if the yeah. vendor leaves too quickly before you've had the opportunity to transition the relationship I guess this is what you're saying is an important exactly. transition yeah. the relationship what strategies have you seen work really well in terms of allowing the vendor and the purchaser to work together without butting heads and not overlapping each other because is that I mean is that an issue that you've seen as as well yeah absolutely hundred uh, percent but in, in both cases it's a lot of ego. Yeah, and, uh, and they're not seeing it. Look, I, I always see it from the client's point of view. 
because, you know, if they walk, then, you know, everybody loses, you know, yeah. you, you can have the biggest ego in the world, but, you know, if you lose, lose that client, you're left with a debt with no asset. And mm. it's really silly to, to run on your ego. I mean, I, I would, I don't have any ego when it comes to losing money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I do is I, I just don't change anything in that first year. Right. So whatever the whatever the vendor wants to do, I, you know, I just let him do whatever he wants to do, and I right. run the practice exactly the way that he ran it. Right. If you see it from the client's point of view, you just come in and they don't know who you are. They they're very skeptical, you know, and they don't like being sold because mm. they're not a commodity. Mm. And you know, how dare you sell me? Mm. So big. So you've got to win their trust, and you know you, you you don't you don't just earn that trust overnight. You've, mm. you've got to earn it. You've got to because they are skeptical and they are cynical and they don't know who you are. So the emotional bank account is very low, and so you've got to build that that trust back up. And the best way to build the best way to build trust is softly, softly, mm. and to bring the vendor with you. He or she's going to be your greatest advocate. And uh, your greatest, you know, uh, um, your your PR machine to uh, make sure that the clients stay the way they are. So I I, mm. I don't change anything. I just go in there, same pricing, same mm. same everything. If, mm. if if the clients do this and that, we do this and that until they get to know you. And then once they've got your trust, then you can start making small changes. Right, very very small changes. All right, so so you don't change when they don't trust you. It's it's very silly to change things when they already, when they're already um, upset by the whole situation. I just have to reiterate. I think they're very very wise words because us as lawyers sitting in our seat can see a lot of instances of these transactions getting a bit ugly uh, when you, you've got the buyer and seller working too closely together. So this is absolutely right on in terms of the advice you're providing. I love it. it. It's really sensible. So leave everything the same for a year, get their trust, and then start to make small incremental changes. Because that's what it is. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. I want to do my way. Yeah. You know, and they're not seeing it from the client's point of view. They're seeing it from their own point of view. Mm. So just pack your ego, look at it from the client's point of view. If you're not going to look at it from the client's point of view, if you're only going to look at it from your own point of view, just... Just think about this. You don't want to be left with a debt and no asset. Yeah. So you want to make sure that those clients transition. And generally speaking, the vendor wants wants them to transition well as well because generally when you go buy a practice, there is a retention. Mm. Uh, so they want their retention. Mm. They won't get their retention if the client leaves. So mm. it's in both the vendor and the buyer's interest to make sure they work together to transition them and yes you're right joanna i've 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 seen lots of egos and lots of you know lots of battles and you know and but it's really silly because they're not you know both of them lose sight of the fact that yeah it's a client that's the most important and they've got to you know take a bit of eat a bit of humble pie so to speak to to get this done and generally it's only it's only six to twelve months and uh you know the, the longer it is the better it is but often you can get it done within Within twelve months, and um, and it, and it goes like this: you, you need to get the vendor to introduce them to you. Face to face introduction is is the best, mm. and then you follow it up with a, a couple of letters, or you might start off with a letter and then uh, with a face to face introduction. And then it really helped if vendor you know came to the next several meetings so that um, the client can still see that he or she is still around. Mm. 
and then you know until eventually you know they they get to know you they get to trust you and then you can then sever that relationship mm. and um you know I, I can't stress that enough so um you know park the ego you know, focus on the client's welfare if, if both parties focus on the client's welfare then you know, that it should work. It should work a lot better. And I guess if we're talking about a vendor perspective as well, because you're absolutely right, one of the um, very regular elements of these sorts of deals is a retention or an earn out or, or whatever you want to call it, which means that the vendor is still intricately linked to the performance of the business over whatever that period of time is of the retention or the earnout. So maybe it really makes sense from a vendor perspective as well, if you're the one who's exiting the business, to be having this discussion right up front at the beginning, you know, when you're when you're looking for the right buyer for your business, to understand, to have someone on the journey with you to buy your business that will be implementing this sort of process, you know, having these discussions early, because often I find it, even though the parties communicate in relation to, you know, what business is going to look like, I still find that there's not perhaps enough communication about how they will actually work together in this transition period and exactly what that will look like. So maybe it's about that communication piece front-ended into the discussion. So the discussion about the sale isn't just about commercial terms of how much are you going to pay me. It's also about, well, how is this going to look? Because, you, you know, it's one thing to be focused on price, it's another thing to actually get that money in your pocket at the end of the day, right? And that, and and what we're talking about is the win-win-win all round. You know, keeping yeah. the clients feeling safe, secure, and happy, and in the one place makes both the um, the buyer and the seller happy at the end of the day. Absolutely, especially in an accounting type of business, because it is, you know, really about relationships, and you know, and these clients might have had. You know, he might have been coming to see this person, this accountant, for you know twenty years or thirty mm. years. Forty. Mm. Years. There's a really you know strong relationship there, mm. and he's he or she's not gonna, not going to be there anymore. Mm. So uh, the the clients are, are feeling apprehensive, you know, and they don't know who you are, so they're a bit you know, cynical and skeptical. So you've got to ease your way in, win their respect, you know, earn your respect, and it's only through time and effort can you earn people's respect mm. and from the vendor's point of view you know like often when i as a buyer i always say to the vendor look i only want to pay you for what i'm getting so if i'm not getting it i don't want to pay you for it you know i don't want to underpay you but i also don't want to overpay you yeah I just want to pay you for exactly what i'm getting so yeah. if clients are not going to come across then i'm not going to pay for that mm. and that's fair enough and then there's always a question of you know who caused the client to leave yes it gets very emotional because the vendor has had a very close and strong relationship with the client and he or she doesn't understand that he or she finds it difficult to see from the client's perspective because the client is apprehensive about this new person coming through and the mm. vendors are often only seeing it from his own point of view as in, you know, I've been looking after all these years and, uh, you know, you come along in one year and the client's left, so it can't be my fault, it must be yours. Yeah, yeah. But he or she has to understand that it's the vendor who's created this change circumstances within the client. So it's not the purchaser who created the change circumstance. It's actually the vendor mm. because he wants to sell. So he's changing the circumstances with the client. There's going to be some fallout. 
Then mm-hmm. that's the first part. Then the second part of the fallout is that some of the clients, that the majority of the clients are okay if you do the handover properly, but there's going to be, you know, the last 20% who's going to be broken up into the ones that will go. They'll go, well, you know, I was planning to leave anyway. And then now that you, you know, you're selling your business, I'm going to go. Or, you know, they, they just don't like change. So they don't like the new owner. And then, and then others will go, okay, I'll give this guy a go. And, you know, a year later, he, for whatever reason, because the new guy does it differently, because, you know, he's got a, he's a different person and, and the slight changes in the way they do it is enough to make that other person leave. And that will happen after a year. So generally, the retention period covers, you know, both sides. I, I always say to the vendor when I'm, when I'm buying that in the nicest way is that you're creating a change for your clients and that's what's creating the apprehension mm. and, uh, and I will try and do the best I can to work with you and to minimise any changes from the client's perspective because it, it's, a, it's a drastic change now and because of your leaving so I don't want to change anything else. So prices are the same, everything's exactly the same, even the letterheads are the same. You mm. know, we might have joint branding for a couple of years with, you know, the first year with you know, big writing, uh, his brand at the top and my brand, a small brand at the bottom, and then next year my brand becomes bigger and his gets smaller. <laughs> <laughs> the third year his disappears, you know. So, uh, the so three-year letterhead transition. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. So we do that sometimes. Okay, that's it for part one of our two-part series, all about how to use acquisitions as a growth strategy. Now, make sure you come back next week for part two of this two-part series where I finish off this conversation with Ed, where we finish off talking about the other risk areas in using acquisitions as a growth strategy. And we also dive deeper in part two into looking at the difference between acquisitions and other methods of growing a business and why acquisitions can be such a good way to grow a business. Well, that's it for this episode. Um, If you can't wait for part two and you really want to find out how you can contact Ed right now, then just head over to our show notes or our website, thedealroompodcast.com, In our show notes and at that website, we'll be linking straight through to Ed and we'll also be linking through to Wise Mentoring, which is um, a mentoring service for accountants. But I hear that there's actually lots of other businesses who um, have decided that it's a useful portal for them to get information about growing their business as well. And over at our website, of course, you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal, if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We have a number of great services that help guide businesses through the sale and acquisition process and um, would absolutely love to talk to you or your clients. We also have a free booking line service on our website so you can book in for a free 15-minute consultation. And of course, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then don't forget to hit subscribe to make sure you can listen into the next episode uh, where Ed and I 
delve into part two of this two-part series. And of course, if you loved what you heard today, then I'd be ever so grateful if you would leave us a review. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Have you heard of Aspect Legal's partner program? Our partner program is a free program that's open to brokers, corporate advisors, accountants, and any other advisors to businesses who are dealing with organizations that are leading into a sale or acquisition of businesses or shares. As part of our partner program, we offer free access to our legal hotline, which is a support line to our specialist lawyers. We also provide a pre-free sale legal review to buyers and sellers where we educate them about the process and timelines from a legal perspective. And the third element that forms part of this partner program is a match-up database that we run where effectively we're able to connect up accountants or brokers or corporate advisors with businesses who are looking to either sell or acquire. So if you're a partner of ours, you go straight into that partner database and where we can see opportunities to provide matchups, then we introduce you. And the final element of our partner program is ongoing education in the form of seminars, webinars and meetups. And that's something new that we're introducing into the partner program in early 2020. So if you're not a partner, then all you need to do to become a partner is just pop us an email at partners at aspectlegal.com au and just simply say in your subject column, I want to become a partner. It's as easy as that to get immediate access to our free legal hotline and all of those other resources. We look forward to having you on board as a partner. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.